Good evening and welcome to another edition of the Vedette Redbird Beat. I am Josh Tolentino, Vedette Sports Editor. Tonight I'm joined by Michael Morrow, Vedette Senior Reporter. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you, Josh? Uh, doing pretty well. It's a little rainy weather here. Um, you were just at the Cubs-Cardinals opener. How was that? It was good up until the 8th inning when it started to rain. And then, of course, I'm sure our manager, John Plefka, is going to like that they won <laughs> on a walk-off. But the Cardinals won on a walk-off. And mm-hmm. me being a Cubs fan, that was a bit. That was a long drive from St. Louis. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it was fun. It was a great experience. Bush Stadium is another one that... I'll try to get back out to again. It's just a great baseball atmosphere, and as we know, St. Louis has a lot to offer, and it's just a great time. Uh-huh. Great to know. Um, not enjoying this rain, though. I myself was I just came back, uh, arrived this mo- or yesterday from Phoenix, was at the Final Four. But here we are, ready to talk about the Redbirds. Um, lots of Illinois State news has happened, baseball, softball, uh, but most recently with ISU women's basketball. At the beginning of the month when ISU lost in the second round of the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament, uh, Larry Lyons went ahead and did the buyout and fired Barb Smith. Uh, Barb, I think she was 28-93 in her four seasons here. And just this past, just this week on Monday, Larry Lyons went ahead and make it, made his decision, hired Kristen Gillespie from D2 Lewis University, was a four-year starting point guard at North Carolina State had a few um, assistant coaching stints here and there. And then she was at Lewis for two seasons where she compiled, I believe, a 52-12 and 12 record. Very impressive um, from what we've seen, firepower offense. But before we jump into that, more Redbird Hoops news. Um, it's been a little bit quiet since the ISU lost um, in the NIT, but what happened this morning? Yeah, so Keyshawn Evans, word got out. Keyshawn Evans tore his labrum, had surgery today. So today's Wednesday, so we had surgery Wednesday morning, and that's a four- to six-month recovery, and we were trying to figure it out, Josh, and four to six months, if it is that long six-month recovery, that puts us right at October, and, you know, the season's roaring, ready to go there, and that's somebody you don't want to miss if you're ISU, but just, I guess, an unfortunate happening. I don't know how it happened. I have no word or anything as to how it happened, but it did. It's unfortunate, and... The road to recovery for Keyshawn starts now. I tell you this morning, um, we at the Vedette knew via social media and just kind of word of mouth from different players that Keyshawn did suffer that torn labrum, but we did not get confirmation from ISU Athletics until just recently. Um, but just talking about Evans, man, that that's kind of a that's kind of a loss. You know that summer program is when you get you get your newcomers at the beginning of June, end of May. Um, as we all know, they got a couple great pieces coming in um elijah clarence that he was going to be the one i think fighting Keyshawn for that for playing time right there at the guard or even playing well together um now they won't get that on-court action like what you said mike until what is that mid-october um early october and who knows even if and that's if the a recovery process is smooth so kind of just what's up here next for the redbirds and Keyshawn? yeah and the other thing is like you mentioned josh the summer's the time where, obviously, you go out during the season and you, you know, compile 27 wins like they did this year, but that's where the program is made. The program is made during the offseason. That's when you put in the work and you build the foundation to go out and win 27 games, and so Keyshawn missing that, that that's big, and they're going to, you know, I think you might see that come the regular season, but the road to recovery is, is tough, especially in a sport like basketball where... 
you're constantly jumping and using your arms and extending, and so you never know what kind of motion or, or tweak you know might irritate that injury. And it's probably going to be something that plagues him throughout the rest of the net or throughout the next season, I should say. And you just hope that it's a speedy recovery, all goes well, and he's back out there with the, on the court for them because he will play a big part. And like you said. He's going to be battling Elijah Clarence, and those two have a good opportunity to be a dynamic duel in the yep, front can't, court. Can't forget Madison Williams also. And so it's just an unfortunate injury. Thankfully, it's happening in April, not in July or August or something like that, so he will still have time to recover and be, in, be ready for the season. And just uh, looking back at his season this past season, from freshman to sophomore year, what a leap. Man, uh, freshman year only played about, I think, 10 games. And even in those games, just a couple minutes, because he also suffered that injury um, at the end of last season, which put him back. Uh, like same same thing again off season. I think I saw him tweet out, "Man, like keeps happening or something. I, he can't catch a break." That's what it was. But you look at his stats this year. Um, kind of went farther than his stats. He only averaged about five six points. But as we know, especially later throughout the season, Keyshawn played a huge role. Had a couple big games where he had multiple three point shots. And that first game in St. Louis, where he proved to be that factor right there, um, kind of disappeared later in that championship game. But we know when Keyshawn is hot, that's he, he turns into three Sean Evans. And the thing is, is you saw him play with a, a, a spark of confidence at the end of the season. Kind of those last three or four regular season games in St. Louis, he was shooting the ball with confidence. He was playing well, playing good defense, and really looked like he had the stronghold position on starting point guard next for next season and you know like we just keep hammering it it's an unfortunate injury and you know just like we said it 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 happened early enough to where he can recover and be ready for next season but injuries are part of all sports and as we turn from one sport to another um staying on the hardwood with isu women's basketball uh, march 11th like what we said larry lyons fired barb smith um a lot of people think it was a long time coming for her Worst four-year stretch in program history, 28-93. But it's only looking up for the Redbirds. This past Monday, Larry Lyons hired Kristen Gillespie. uh, Kind of been some pronunciations back here and there, but it's Kristen Gillespie of Lewis University. Mike, we had a little preview out last week of who you thought would be the next coach, and she was actually the first one on your list. So what does Gillespie bring to the table? Well, the one thing that I that put why I had her so high up on my list is she did succeed pretty greatly at Lewis University, fifty-one and twelve through two seasons, sixteen and zero in conference uh, in her first year there, won Coach of the Year in their conference, and you know she really proved to be a coach that could come in and into a new system, new program, and win. And she's from the Midwest. She's only about 80, 85 minutes up I-55, or I should say was now, because they didn't make that higher. And that's what Larry Lyons said in, a, in an interview after the press conference yesterday. He just said, he's like, they wanted somebody who could recruit Illinois, could recruit the Midwest. And she comes from a family of coaches. She played. She played in a couple final. She played in one Final Four, was a starting point guard for NC State. Played under K. Yao. That's a great program. K. Yao, legendary coach. Um, as everyone knows, play for K. But great meaning behind that, and like what you said, comes from a coaching background and under a great coach, in K, uh, Coach K. Yao. And I just think it's right now it, it was a good hire because you never know who's available. And we're not sure who Larry Lyons was talking to and when he reached out to them. So, you know, we don't really know who was available. 
and what options they had left. But I do think that they made a good hire. She's got proven success, and she's coached plenty of places. She coached at Division Three Benedictine and was successful there. She had, a, I believe it was it was very close to 500 record at, at D3 Benedictine, but she did lead them to 18 wins in 2015, which was the most wins in, in, the, in the women's basketball program since 2006. And so she's had success wherever she goes. It may take a while, as you did see at Benedictine. It did take, I think, three or four seasons to get the program up to the top, but She's got what it takes. Whatever it is in that playbook that she has, for whatever reason, it comes out and, and she, they come ready to play. And she's she's a good hire. And I think right now you just have to let her kind of do her thing. She did say in the press conference they are a bit behind on recruiting, and that just comes with when you make a new hire, when you get rid of a coach, and, and you have to go out and you go through a searching process and. That's going to eat up some time on the recruiting trail, and but she's heading out now. She's going to go out and recruit and find a new staff, and that's the other thing she's got to do is find a new staff. You never know who she's going to bring and help her out. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing she mentioned in, a, in an interview um, right after the press conference was that she's got, she's had good staffs, and she's going to hope that she brings in another one, and they're confident that they're going to bring this program back to the top. And the one thing that stood out to me about her was she said that she's going to make this the best coaching job in Illinois, and so you just see the confidence and the and the belief that she has in herself and in this program to get back to the top. Uh, and she, as we've mentioned, she comes from a rich uh, coaching background in her family. Her father, her grandfather, Gordy Gillespie, legendary football, baseball, and basketball coach in that Joliet, Chicago area. Um, a lot of people know this family name, and then her father, Mike, who was in attendance at that press conference on um, yes yesterday. He has a rich high school and college coaching background, so she's got a lot of advice. Um, just tap of, tap of the shoulder away. But the best thing, I mean, the most positive thing I like coming from Lewis, she's got some offensive firepower coming with her. You look at her seasons there, averaged 70 and 71 points in her two seasons at Lewis. You know, there's going to be change from the D2 level to the D1 level. But as we all know, as all fans know, um, Barb Smith struggled with her offensive sets, was known to overplay, especially this season, rely on her veterans, didn't trust the rest of the roster, and they were running the same sets out there. That's why they were so predictable. And not just that, they really had no offense going for them outside if they would get hot from three. Ball control, too many turnovers, that was obviously the biggest concern. And then now you bring in the offensive-minded Gillespie. The future's looking bright for them if you're a Redbird fan. Yeah, and that's just it. As you hit it right on the head, Barb Smith's offense never seemed to get going. They'd show little spurts of breaking out of that four-season-long slump that they had and for whatever reason just reverted back to their old self. And Gillespie's offense and whatever she's got in her playbook has seemed to work everywhere she's gone. And now she's now the good thing for Illinois State is it it's in their it's in their locker room now it's in it's in their office at Redbird Arena so it, it, the future only looks brighter from here and Gillespie's a young coach who you know looks to show a lot of promise and 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 so like you said Josh Redbird fans have something to look forward to and like Gillespie said there's they're going to put something out on the floor that they could finally be proud of. She obviously still has to hire her staff and see what's going on with the roster, which began today. She had one-on-one meetings with them. 
Um, but according to Larry Lyons, a uh, freshman recruit that was going to come in, Aaron Hodges, signed a letter of intent, asked for her release. Obviously, she was a Smith recruit, so maybe that's a relationship thing there. But you got to see just within the next couple of weeks who's staying, who's who's coming in, who she brings in, most especially with the staff. But paying attention to her con- the details of her contract, what we know so far, she signed a five-year contract with an initial base salary of annual salary of $170,000. Um, Larry Lyons has not released the um, buyout details and like all the bonuses that come with that. And that's something fans are interested in. As we all know, Barb Smith signed that ugly contract with the buyout of $250,000. <laughs> Obviously, this is a much better business decision. But honestly, when I saw when I saw that figure, I thought it was a little bit high. Uh, as much as experience that Gillespie has with her assistant coaching stints, playing at North Carolina State under Coach Yao, she still didn't have you know that D1 head coaching experience coming from the D2 school. I was looking more at the 150 range, but I mean ISU fans can only hope that Lions and Leanna Bordner know what they're doing with this contract. A lot more appealing than Barb Smith. And I guess it's kind of just see where it, it goes from here. Yeah, and I think I think the contract actually fits her, just because you know she is going to the D one level. She's she's got to get a D one level contract, and I, I see where you're coming from, Josh. And you know it's something that I'm sure is going to be mixed feelings throughout Redbird Nation, whether it be the fans or even people inside the athletic office. But whatever it is, and whoever's upset, you know what I, I think. That what Illinois State puts out on the floor and what she does here is is going to make up for that 170 contract and and I, and I tell you what Mike no matter what con- no matter how much you are making you could be making I don't care what a hundred dollars million dollars it does not matter as long as you are winning and that is the biggest thing that needs to come to this Redbird women's program I mean you look at Dan Muller he what he did this season. So many program bests, obviously 17-1 in conference, most wins in school history. He, he deserves a pay raise, obviously. And it's kind of scary with ISU fans seeing that his name has been floating around. However, Dayton did make that hire, make that hire since the last time we talked. Um, Anthony Grant, yeah, um, who had stints at Alabama, most recently at VCU. And so, you know what, they made, they made a hire and... The good thing is that Dan gets to stay in normal. So, for now. Yeah. And, and that's just it. Is you never know where his name's going to pop up again. But for right now, and as of today, um, Dan's in, at normal, or in normal, excuse me, and he's going to be coaching the Redbirds. And, and that's just a solid thing. And, and we, know, we do know Larry Lyons is trying to restructure that contract. Right now, I think it's the figures around 400 what he's making. Obviously, what after what he did this season, he deserves that raise. So we'll see what Larry Lyons kicks out, because everyone knows ISU fans want him to stay, but he's on the rise. And you got to think that Larry Lyons knows what he's doing. He's restructured Brock's backs contracts well over the years, and so you know he's had some experience trying to keep a coach here because Brock's back, a guy who, who does deserve you know that kind of money that he's getting. And, you know, another guy who's attracting some attention and could be elsewhere. And so, you know, Larry Lyons, this is not the first time he's had to try and keep a coach here in normal. And so he's been through this position before, this situation, and it's a little bit different with the basketball program. But, you know, I, I think they'll get it done. I think Dan will stay. And 
I think he wants to get to the NCAA tournament with his alma mater before he ends up taking a job elsewhere. But you know what? It's also a business at the end of the day, so you never know what's going to happen. But as we mentioned, as of today, Dan is still the coach of Illinois State. And a lot of people forget Larry Lyons has a business background. That's actually what he studied. And, you know, to see what he's doing with all these different contracts and everything, he said he brought in three people, three finalists to campus, so we know they, whoever those three finalists were, obviously Gillespie was hired. Um, they were flown in and negotiated, and Lyons thinks he made the best decision along with Bordner and the rest of his staff. So it's kind of just see see where it goes from here, and obviously ISU has nowhere to go but up. But we uh, turn our attention to, um, from more basketball to even more basketball, the NCAA tournament just wrapped up. North Carolina defeated Gonzaga 70, uh, 71-65, I believe. Uh, you did, were there. I was you there. You were there. I was there. But before we get my thoughts, um, I was obviously in Phoenix, was also in Kansas last week, and um, in Indy for that first and second round. But what? just what are your thoughts on the tournament as a whole? Well, there's a couple things. And I'm going to start with what we seen take place last weekend and I just after seeing North Carolina beat Kansas or beat Kentucky and then go on to beat Oregon, I thought that Gonzaga was in for a long night. I honestly thought that North Carolina was going to win by probably That's what I thought. Like by by 12 sizable. plus. Yeah, I mm-hmm. thought it was not going to be that much of a game and then halfway through the game I was I was watching and I'm thinking Okay, Gonzaga's in, and I kind of hope they pull it out because, as we talked about, I was I was a non-believer in Gonzaga. I thought just as mid-major doesn't really have anybody on their schedule all season long. I didn't really trust their bigs all season, so I was like, I just don't see them advancing that far in the tournament. I did not think they were going to be in the national championship, and so I was like, you know what? I, I've I've been a naysayer all season long, so I I kind of hope they pull this one out. They were they just came short, but. You know, it was an exciting game. North Carolina finally found themselves on the on the other end of that one as last season. Mm-hmm. That heartbreaking three pointer goes in, and they call it the redemption tour. And they call it the redemption tour is now complete after they defeated Gonzaga, got that national championship, their eleventh uh, trip to the final, and Roy Williams' third championship. And you got to feel for a guy like Mark Few, Gonzaga coach, um, almost spent two decades at Gonzaga, and they were right there. And like what you said, I was actually in Phoenix covering for a couple different affiliates. And you saw the heartbreak in that massive stadium, by the way, University of Phoenix Stadium. I think 78,000 people were in attendance. But, man, those Gonzaga fans were heartbroken. And to, they, if you're a Gonzaga fan, tip your hat to the whole team, really. Um, it was a national head. They made national headlines. The, the refs made national headlines, the <laughs> officials in Monday's game. Man, even LeBron James tweeted out, let the kids play. And when you got guys like LeBron and other people chiming in for that who have been playing basketball for so long, you know, you hate to put things on officials. Like, in the pre- post-game press conference, Mark Few, he, th- he said the officials did a great job. And, you know, you never know where that comment goes. But to see the the game, how it played, there was really no momentum. There was always a, sco- a score, a stop. stop there was continuous stoppage, stoppages of play. I mean, but still an exciting game and kind of just circled back to how March Madness basketball is. And just my other thoughts on on March Madness are going to go to Missouri Valley Conference team in Wichita State. And I just, I'm still, I had them beating Kentucky 
Yeah, they came out and played so well in that game. Obviously, Landry Shamit got blocked at the buzzer as he hoisted up that potentially game-winning three-pointer. But I just, after seeing how well they played, you know they're a national contender because, you know, obviously us, we got to cover them. We got to see them a couple times this season. And, you know, so we knew how good they were. But actually seeing them go out and play the Kentuckys and Dayton and, I mean, go down to the wire with Kentucky, I mean, that a team who, you know, just fell short. I mean, they fell one shot and two seconds short of beating North Carolina. Luke May. And so I just, I just don't see them sticking around in the Valley, and I think that the mart that this tournament really just, you know, kind of confirmed them that, hey, we're a national championship contender and we got to get out and... Outside of that, I just enjoyed watching all the basketball and just kind of sitting back as a fan and kind of getting to enjoy it for a little bit. It was most definitely a fun experience being able to cover the tournament every single round and you know that seeing that championship there. And you got to think, man. Hopefully, you know, in the, few, the maybe even in your year <laughs> that Illinois State is able to reach the tournament, a place they haven't been now in twenty years. It's hard to imagine, man. That since. Almost two decades since Dan Muller was there. I was there. one years old. Uh, <laughs> I was one year old. <laughs> yeah, we were all very young. And, you know, after what happened this season, Dan is obviously right almost there over the hump. It's the last thing he has to check off on his checklist. But like what you said, Wichita State, and that's kind of where we turn our attention to now. They have a meeting with the American um, Athletic American Conference this Friday. Um, the ADs of each Valley school will be meeting Sunday in St. Louis. I was actually with Mike Kern, oh, actually this whole month, every weekend I saw him from the Valley, representing the Valley as um, an SID. And that's a topic that wasn't really talked about. And and now it's being brought up to the table. We all knew it was coming. It's kind of just a question if, is it going to happen effective this season or next season? Mike, your thoughts. I think they're out next season. I think, you know, they're going to have to restructure Illinois State and all the Valley's schedules and opponents because I think I think Wichita State is going to be in the AAC effective immediately. And, you know, I think it's a good move for them. And I know I've seen a couple things on Twitter. I know I tweeted it out that this year with the two teams, Illinois State and Wichita State, being as good as they were, the Valley was, was a one-bid league. And so with Wichita State leaving, there's – it's forever going to be a one-bid league now. And that's just it, is, is now with Wichita State leaving, there's a big game that everybody loses on their schedule. But, I, you know, I like the move. If I'm Wichita State, I really do like the move because think about the games they're going to have. Wichita State, SMU. Wichita State, Kentucky. And so it's just it, it's a good move for them. And, you know what, I think, I think they'll fit in. And, obviously, I'm talking about it as if it's already happened. Oh, I I think it's almost safe to say it will happen. And that's, I mean, I'm acting as if it has happened already, but I'm right there with you. I think it's just a matter of, uh, it's going to come out Friday, and I think on Friday we're going to hear that they're they're leaving and it's effective immediately. And as you mentioned, the NBC officials are going to meet on Sunday, and you've got to think they're going to talk about getting that expansion team or getting that team back in to replace them. And I think they'll dip into the Horizon League and maybe grab a Detroit UW Milwaukee, UW Green Bay, something of those likes, and and one thing you gotta think about, you know, if you're Doug Elgin, commissioner of the Valley, do you bring in a replacement team or do you bring in three teams where the Valley is extended into two divisions of twelve, a total of twelve teams, six teams in each division, 
and then you got to think about scheduling even more there and it's kind of just a lot of on his plate and you know all those valley you know those high valley officials of what happens next once wichita state leaves and just looking at the state of the valley in in the down year this past season that they had with just isu and wichita at the top and just so much space in between them and the second tier teams one really telling stat i saw this morning on twitter was once wichita state leaves so let's say they leave this weekend the Missouri Valley men's basketball, they've only had nine combined NCAA tournament games since 2009. That's almost two decades. The more damning stat is that eight of those were by UNI. One team, one team played a tournament game in the Missouri Valley in almost two decades outside of Wichita and um, UNI. So there's going to be a new team, new top team in the Valley, and there's going to be new teams in the Valley. So big question marks for the Valley looking for, moving forward. And the other thing that you have to think about is Wichita State's looking to move only as a basketball team. And so if you bring in three teams and bring in the two divisions, you're going to have a bigger baseball conference. You're going to have a bigger, you know, everything expands, softball. And so you got to think, unless you, unless you also bring teams in as basketball-only schools, but, you know, I... I'm not a fan of that. I, you know, I don't like how we see North Dakota State playing in the MVFC and then moving to the Summit for basketball, and you know, Western same thing. And so I, I kind of, I, I wish that teams would just move and they, they, they take all their athletic programs into one conference. But you know, that's the other thing they have to consider is Wichita State is talking about leaving for only basketball, and so you have to see about what's going to happen and, and who they're bringing in and, and what sports do they want to talk or what sports do they want to come in and be a part of and take part in as part of the Missouri Valley Conference. We focus our attention quickly, lastly, on ISU baseball and softball. One team looking bright, another not so much. Bo Durkak suffering again, another slow start to the season. But let's turn our attention to softball and Melinda Fisher first. Yeah, they stand in second place right now. They had a big series over the weekend against Southern Illinois. They came in the weekend and were 5-1. and one. They ended up losing uh, two of the three games. The, f- the first game of the series was crazy to say the least. You see Jordan Dalos Reyes hit a three-run homer to bring the game within two runs. And then Alyssa Weeble hit a two-run homer to tie it in the seventh, all with two outs. Then Dalos Reyes came back up and singled home Riley Strangard to uh, win that game in game one of the doubleheader last Saturday. They dropped uh, they dropped the game two. And then Sunday, another just back-and-forth game. Illinois State unable to get the job done as they gave up a seventh-inning grand slam and lost the game. But you mm-hmm. know what? It's still looking bright because this is a team that, during the non-conference season and when they were going down and playing in all those, all those tournaments, LSU and uh, uh, FAU and all those preseason tournaments, you know, they did not look as hot as, as they would have liked. And they've come out, and the, the good thing is, is in the Missouri Valley Conference and most conferences, when you once you start conference play, you could be 0-21 coming into conference play. But as long as you win games in conference, that non-conference record is thrown right out the window. And they've kind of done that, and they've kind of put that behind them. And they're playing some good softball. And uh, you know what they're going to look to put a little run together here is the season. I mean, it's already April 5th, and so mm-hmm. a, a month from now they'll be playing their last – couple of games before the MVC tournament and they're they're playing good softball at the right time. And we look at the other side of the diamond. 
the baseball team. Obviously, have struggled, haven't won a week since that St. Louis mid midweek victory. They were really, I mean, crushed by Dallas Baptist outside of that first six seven game. Here are some scores for you: four eleven, uh, two to ten against Dallas Baptist, and then just another close game yesterday against Valpo, a home game here. Lost four to three in extras. That game seemed like it was going on forever and ever and ever. Uh, ended in twelve innings, and they obviously have a series upcoming with Dayton this weekend. But we want to look at a little bit ahead to the Illinois game. Just uh, some quick thoughts on that game. They obviously would like to pick up a win this weekend heading into that game. One of the biggest games of the season. Um, a rivalry game there. Yeah, and they lost to Illinois just, I think it was two weeks ago now. And so you know that they're going to have a bit of re- revenge on their mind. And the thing is... is And not just revenge. They need to they need to pick up some wins. It, the, the most, I think, telling stat for baseball, they've only won two of their last eight games. Yeah, and so baseball really struggling... And, and it's really just been it's been a weird season to say the least. When they started the season, they had three seniors in their starting rotation. They've now gone to three freshmen, and you know it was the bullpen at the beginning of the season. Their starting pitching seemed to have it going, seemed to have it together. And then this past weekend at Dallas Baptist, they had their bullpen. They had a lead. So get this: Illinois State had a lead in all three games, or they were tied in the sixth inning or later. In all three games of the series, and they found a way to lose all three, and so and, and, and not just lose. It, I, if I'm my math is correct, they lost by a combined, I mean, 13, 14 runs. So my game was close, but I mean, to finish the game, you got to finish the job. And those are the late innings, and and that's and that's a sign of a young team not being able to finish it out, close it out. But at the end of the day, you still got to get the job done. It doesn't matter how old your guys are, and. I guess one of the last things I'll say as I wrap up here is this team is in desperate need of a win. You never think about saying that with a month left to play. Oh no, they need a win. But they need a win and, and the thing is is they looked bad in their in their you know, their early season series and all that, but they have not been able to turn it around and, and they still have some time with Missouri Valley Conference play uh, just getting underway uh, as Dallas Baptist was their first three games in conference. And so they're about to start the heart of their schedule in the Missouri Valley Conference. The top two teams, Dallas Baptist, Wichita State, I mean, those teams are, are going to be tough to play. It's, it's not an easy baseball conference, and we'll just have to see. It might be a long season, but these midweek games are, are where you can gain some momentum and kind of get your pitching together, get your hitting together, and, you know, prime them up and get them ready to go for the weekend. And, you know, that's exactly what they're going to do. They have a weekend series against Dayton, and I believe this is their last series in the non-conference schedule before mm-hmm. all the rest are Missouri Valley Conference. But, you know what, they, they need a couple wins, and I might even go as far as to say that they need to win two of three against Dayton this weekend just to get the ball rolling because, you know, it seems like whenever their bats aren't going, their pitching is, and when their pitching isn't going, their hitting is, and they can't, they've never seemed to really put a full game together and play as a team in one unit, and so that's what I guess I'm looking for this, this uh, series against Dayton. And the biggest thing for the Redbirds, Zero wins in conference, but they got Evansville coming in next weekend. You got to look at the schedule. They have eight straight home games. Um, actually, I believe this is the longest home stretch of the season. Bo has really got to get his guys together and make the most of this. Pick up some, not just I mean crucial, much needed wins uh, to get get over the hump. Because like what you said, they've been playing some po- close, close games, just not being able to get the job done. 
Yeah, and the thing is, is they took five innings yesterday for their offense to come alive. Their bullpen finally put a great game together. I mean, Valparaiso, I believe, didn't score from the fifth inning on up until that twelfth inning when when they walked in a run and. Um, you know their bullpen looked looked good last night, and, and that's something that was a bit different to see out of them. And so it's just a matter of the whole team coming out and playing offense, defense, and and pitching, and all that stuff. All all that has to come together, and then I think you're going to start seeing some better results. And as the season goes on, these younger guys are going to get more experience, mm-hmm. and uh, it, you just hope to see that they do turn around because it has been somewhat of a long season, and it's only. And we still got a month left in, so we'll see how it goes. And it's, it's kind of a big series this weekend against Dayton. Uh, and just uh, related ISU baseball news: uh, Nick Damiani, the other uh, baseball beat reporter, along with Nate Head, has a feature coming out tomorrow on freshman John Rave, local product out of Central Catholic High School in Bloomington. Uh, be sure to check that out. And also Brock Stewart, um, the LA Dodger. He begins the season on the major league roster, but on the disabled list. Um, so ISU fans gotta hope he stays healthy because obviously him and you know we look at Paul DeYoung on in the Cardinals uh, farming system. They've been pretty su- successful. And the one thing about Paul DeYoung is I really thought he was gonna make the the club out of spring training. Even though I know talking with a couple of Cardinals fans and people who are close with the team or or you know closely follow the team, I should say. Just kind of said that he's had a great spring, but he'll start off in spring ball. And that's not the worst thing. No, and the thing is, it gives him some more opportunity, more Mm at-bats. And, you know, I I think it's going to be fairly short here until you see him make his Major League debut. Yeah, you look at Piscotty getting hit three times with the the ball on just last night. But injuries happen so frequently, um, especially in the big leagues. So you got to imagine he's going to get that call soon. And then you just got to hope for Brock Stewart to get... Uh, healthy soon. He's battling, I think, a little shoulder tendonitis. So, ISU baseball, they do get some players out of here. So, the future is bright for baseball, but they just got to pick up some wins. And the one bright spot they do have, and I mean, will be a stronghold here at Illinois State, Owen Miller. And I know uh, I talked about it on a broadcast yesterday. He's headed off to the Cape Cod League in the summer, which is the most coveted college baseball summer league. And he got the invite, and, and that's if you want to make if you want to have a major league career, that's where you go. That's where he's headed, and probably the second most coveted one is the Northwoods League, and he played there last summer. And they also, ISU also has a couple players headed out there this Our year. Good friend Tom Prizman actually covered him out there. <laughs> and so the thing is, is you know Owen Miller, he might be the next Illinois State product to enter the draft, get drafted, and. Have himself a professional career, and and I wouldn't be surprised if he does. Because when you see him out there and play, he just looks like a natural. Can swing the bat, and you know has all the tools that you want to see in a player. And you know what? That's a good pick. That was a good. That was a good pickup for Illinois State last year, coming in as a freshman, and just a successful, just a such a successful freshman campaign. And it's looked to carry over to his sophomore campaign. And you just hope he goes out there and has a successful summer out in the Cape Cod League and. We'll go from there. And you talk about that Cape Cod League, just jumping real quick to basketball. Paris Lee invited to Portsmouth um, out in the East Coast. He will participate that in that, um, I believe, next weekend or within the next two weeks. And that is the most, I mean, like what you said, for basketball, um, that's the most coveted summer league type thing that you can get invited to. I think top 64 or 68 players make uh, get an invitation to that. Um, him and Milton Doyle will be representing you know, Chicago and the Valley, 
And just briefly, just talked. I spoke to Tyler Ulis, covered a Phoenix Suns game while I was out there for the Final Four. Man, he had a game, almost a triple-double, 34 points, 9 assists, 9 rebounds. And I talked to him about Paris Lee because they went up against each other when they were younger. Obviously, Paris a little bit older than him. And asked him, you know, what do you think of Paris's game? What was it like going up against him? Um, he told me Paris played for Mac Irvin Fire, a team that uh, Tyler's team went up against uh, quite frequently. So they went battled it out a couple times. And he said he's he's one hell of a baller. And he only has the utmost respect for him and his future. So we'll kind of see where Paris takes his game. I kind I asked Tyler, I was like, is, is, is Paris a NBA league player? And he couldn't give me a straight answer, but he knows he has the heart of a lion. Uh, very tenacious on the defensive end. That's the obviously what Paris is known for, and Tyler admitted that. So a lot of bright future for the Redbirds in regards to getting invited to these camps. And before we wrap up, actually, uh, not a camp or anything for you, Mike, but uh, just promoted, just found out you'll be the next Vidette Sports Editor, so congratulations to you. Thank you. I'm very excited about the, p- the promotion and, and the job, and you know, I can't wait to get started, and I'm feel, I'm gonna fill, have to fill some big shoes, Josh. And you know, and I, I just hope that I can continue the great coverage you have done, and do you proud, and all the past editors do them proud. And you know what? It, it's an it's an it's an honor to be in that position, and I'm I'm I can't wait to get started, and can't wait to uh, get the ball rolling as the next sports editor at the Vedette. Uh huh. A lot. The news is broken. Um, obviously to myself and couple past editors, Zach from last year, Scott Gleason at USA Today, Tony Andraki covers the Cubs for CSN, and they're excited to see what you guys will bring. Also, Nate Head was named the other sports editor, so congratulations again to the both of you. But for now, this has been a long one uh, here today at the Vedette offices on a rainy Wednesday. That'll do it for Mike Mara. Actually, Mike, go ahead and shout out your Twitter. Where can people follow you? At Mike Mara, ill still. For the freshest Illinois State Athletics <laughs> Uh, news and women's basketball specifically as we see what happens with them in the next coming months. Go ahead, give Mike a follow. Follow Vedette underscore sports on Twitter and myself at JCT Sports. And for today, this Wednesday uh, evening, for Mike Mara, I am Josh Tolentino, and this has been another edition of the Vedette Redbird Beat.